Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another yeah, you're going to find this one. You're going to find this one interesting. Episode of FNO InsureTech. I yeah. am one of your two intrepid co-hosts. Host. Rob Beller. Host. Host. Can we drop the co? I think we should drop the co. You do? No more yeah. co. No more co. We're just we're just host. <laughs> no. Hosts. <laughs> Please. No more no more co. We're just host. We're just host. You know, uh, I've been getting a lot of emails about why do you guys call yourselves co-hosts when you're mm-hmm. obviously hosts? That does that does make sense. You didn't finish in what about the people who don't know who you are? You didn't you didn't say your name. I didn't say my name? Well, kind of. I, I was waiting on my name, but really I'm I was trying to be one. polite. I'm the cute one. Who else could I be? I'm Rob Beller. Yeah. Coming to you from California where it's re- wet and rainy today. It rains all the time in California. I know, Stop rubbing it in. It, it's great. We love it because we love the fact that we get to drink next year. And I'm excited this for is, that. This is my host. <laughs> this Doesn't is my other right. host. That's right. You're, the other guy. You're, not, you're no longer co-host. Mm-hmm. You got promoted today. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Lee Boyd. Hi, all. Also known as the smart one. It's not raining in Waco. No, in fact, you have a short sleeve shirt on. I'm freezing to death. Well, that's because I'm in my cubby of my office, and it's it's quite warm in here. It's a it's a balmy 80 degrees in my office today. So you know, I'm going to tell you a really quick story. I'd love okay? that. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, I was uh, in like my second year, maybe or something, or around there, or my maybe my fourth second year. I don't remember, and. <laughs> Um, I used to eat breakfast at this one place that I really enjoyed. And I got to to know one of the managers there. And I was telling him all the time, I love to cook. I'd love to become a cook. Yeah. So she goes to her boss and she says to her boss, hey, there's this guy who really likes to cook. And so she's, and he says, so she sets up an interview for me with the guy and I'm a kid. What do I yeah. know? Right. I don't, I don't go to the interview. Anyways, a month or two goes by and I see the the guy, the owner of the restaurant. And I introduced myself and said, hey, I was supposed to come in for the interview. I missed it. He says, you know, it's really unfortunate that you did because not only was I going to hire you, I was going to send you to cooking school and teach you how to be a chef so that you could work here in this restaurant. Wow. And it's always struck me as like, that was a really important moment in my life because if I would have done that, I I probably would have gone down a whole different path. Yeah. Right. And this podcast would have been about restaurant. That's right. We wouldn't know each other. We wouldn't or or not. And then but instead it went the way that it did, and here I am today. Yeah, That's I'm sorry. A little bit like our guest today. Yes, it it is. It <laughs> is. Now that you say that, I see where you're going. And it is. Uh, our guest is taking has I mean, we were able to talk to our guests before the podcast 
and we took a journey along with him from his his upbringing to today. And he has taken many turns in his life, none expected. And today he is in a place where he's creating this technology that's changing the world, not just insurance, but he's working on technology that's changing the world. We're all hearing about AI. Mm-hmm. We're all hearing about chat GBT. Yeah. We're all hearing about what it's going to do, what it's going to, how it's going to work, what it, impact it's going to have. Well, well, today we have a guest who's on at the forefront of that. We have with us today Attila Toth, co-founder and CEO at Zesty AI, a prominent name in the InsureTech world. Yes, it is a prominent name, and it's probably a company that your company works with already. Let it be a carrier, an MGA, a startup, a claims company. They are taking data from all these different data sources and using AI to determine risk and how to mitigate and how to how to underwrite and all these things that the insurance space needs. They're making unstructured data structured data. That's that's very they're true. And, and he talks to us all about They're using that. AI not in the future. They're using it today. Today. And thanks to our dear friend Astrid. Thank you, Astrid. She got us in, introduced to Zesty. And thanks to the people at Zesty. So without further ado, here's our interview with Attila Toth, co-founder and CEO at Zesty AI. Hey, everybody. We are here with a special guest. We've been chit-chatting before we got on. I won't, I won't spoil the, I won't give you a spoiler and tell you what we're talking about. It's super interesting though, by the way. We have with us Attila Toth, who is a co-founder and CEO at Zesty AI. Yes, Zesty AI. You've all heard about it and a lot of buzz around it. And we were put on to you guys by a mutual friend, Astrid Maval Bahari. You know Astrid? Absolutely. She's a great friend of the company. She is a remarkable person in our industry. And she- Barry. We, we were having lunch with her at InsureTech Connect last fall. And she said to us, we said, Astrid, who do we need to have on the podcast? She said, you have to have Zesty AI. And she went on for about five minutes about all the reasons why. And so here mm-hmm. we are. So- so with that intro, thank you so much for being here and welcome to thank our you. podcast. Thank you, Robin Lee. And also thank you to Astrid. She never stops amazing me with the connections that she has. She is a amazing person. No doubt about that. Probably I, one of the best connectors in the industry. She, Agreed. Agreed. She might be. She might be. She has a, she has a future as a matchmaker. I, <laughs> although I think she's a matchmaker already. I'm pretty sure she already is. Pretty yeah. sure she already is. <laughs> So Attila, thank you so much for coming and for being with us today. With all the buzz around AI today, we want to get into that and talk all about that. But let's start first with just telling us, giving us a, a minute on what is your company and, and what do you guys do? So first of all, thank you very much for, for having me, Lee and Rob. Zest AI is a property risk analytics platform that is leveraging artificial intelligence in order to explain value of properties and explain the risk associated with properties at a granular level in a way that it has never been explained before. So what do I mean by this? Properties 
homes, businesses are by far the largest store of wealth in the world. Close to 80% of the world's wealth, close to $300 trillion are amassed in properties. And at the same time, there is climate risk and climate change that is impacting the way people are using properties, the way people are understanding the value of those properties. Just in the past decade, there have been more than $2 trillion worth of losses driven by catastrophic disasters, such as wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. And our industry, property and casualty insurance, has been using models for a very long time, right? To understand catastrophic risk, climate risk. At the same time now, with the onset of artificial intelligence, with availability, I would say ubiquitous availability of data from sources like aerial imagery, from IoT, from local weather stations, from building permits. So we have all this rich data and we have self-learning algorithms and we have a lot of loss history. So what Zest AI does, it brings all together these trends into predictive models that explain the value of properties, whether those are homes or businesses. And it explains how we can protect that value from climate change, from climate risk. And we do that leveraging cutting edge analytic solutions, artificial intelligence. And so you're taking data that is out there, bringing it in through, through APIs, I would imagine, and, and you're using AI to tell you what you're seeing. So there, there for a minute, you said that it, to how, how to, how to protect properties. Is it, is it just what we need to do to protect the properties or are you telling us how to underwrite better? How to, I guess, how is the, how is the tool being used? So our customers are property and casualty insurance carriers, MGAs, reinsurers, reinsurance brokerage companies. And they are using our products a couple of different ways. Number one is being able to risk select. So underwrite which properties they take, which properties they don't take. Number two, rating. So if they want to take certain properties, how should they set the insurance policy rate for those properties? Number three is reinsurance. How should they think about the risk transfer process for their portfolio and how should they price that reinsurance tower? And number four, which is also very important that you touched on this, Lee, is mitigation. Okay. The insured and the insurance carrier are in the same boat. Neither of them want a loss. Right. So with, with these type of models that we're going to talk about in more detail, you can not only explain the prediction, the prediction is what is the expected probability of your address, one, two, three Main Street, falling within, let's say, a hurricane's path or a wildfire perimeter. But it also explains what you can do as a homeowner or business owner to mitigate that risk. And I think that fine level data 
provides alignment between insured uh, agent, insurance carrier, and reinsurer as well. That that's really fascinating. I, I want to talk about the mitigation. So, as a homeowner living on the coast of Florida, what could I learn from Zesty AI that would help me not sustain as much damage during a hurricane? What 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 would the system tell me? Okay, so let's let's break this down, right? So we have two models for wind-related uh, losses. One is a frequency model that basically is based on the location of your property, right? So it takes into consideration a lot of things like wind direction, topography, uh, distance to the water body, a lot of different things. And it provides you an annualized probability of being involved in an event or receiving a, for an insurance carrier or receiving a claim on that. There's okay. not much that you can do about your location. There's not much that you can do about, you know, uh, your topography around you. But the second score is a severity score. And that's where we are taking into consideration the building materials that are being leveraged mm -hmm. for your property. Mm -hmm. The roof complexity. Mm -hmm. What is your average pitch? What is your orientation of your roof? What is the dominant pitch? What is the lowest if height? What is the highest if height? What is the shape of your roof? What is the condition of your roof? And I could go on and on and sure. on, on on the roof. As you guys know, you guys are insurance guys. Sure. Uh, a large percentage of catas catastrophic losses are driven by roof related losses, right? So that's why we have, we call this the roof anatomy. So what can you do, right? So on the coast, basically you can change certain things about your roof. You can upgrade missing shingles. You can upgrade a roof that is aging. For a wildfire use case, for example, on the other coast, you can take down vegetation that is overhanging off your roof. You can change out vents to be ember resistant vents. So these are all potential solutions of mitigation that are under the control of the property owner. And our models are not black box models. So they are not just saying we should underwrite Lee, but we should not underwrite Rob. We tell exactly what is the things that Rob can do in order to be eligible for insurance and how is that going to impact his rate? That's absolutely fascinating. So what is it about the AI that enables this? What, how does yeah, that how, all come how together? How does it actually work? Yeah, what's the voodoo? What's the voodoo, right? That's yeah. right. Take us inside the magic. Okay, very good. I know there are a lot of buzzwords out there about AI and a lot of magic, right? And a lot of people didn't even believe that this thing could work. But now they have Chet GPT and other things at their fingertips and they are saying, wow, this thing is working, right? So let me break it down for this insurance use case, right? Thank you. Think about, think about a wedding cake, right? That has three layers. And the bottom layer of that wedding cake is that is all about ingesting unique data sources. And I'm gonna say what unique data sources are into a federated unified data image. So for example, satellite imagery or imagery from low flying aircraft or LIDAR image, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, LIDAR, which is almost like sonar from the air or infrared 
from a low-flying aircraft. So ingest all this data, and this data is unstructured data, right? What do I mean by unstructured data? You can look at an image with, with a naked eye, and you can make determinations, but you cannot use that image without transforming it in a model, right? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned in the lower level of that wedding cake, imagery is a very important element, but there are other things such as, for example, building permits. Again, building permits are unstructured data. You cannot use them in a, in a model. Weather station data, in the future, IoT data. Think about uh, data from security cameras or flood sensors, right? IoT mm -hmm. data that, mm -hmm. that you can just mm -hmm. So all that, whatever we can get our hands on, we ingest into this unified data image. The second layer of the wedding cake is AI models, sometimes image recognition models, which are called uh, convolutional neural networks or natural language processing models that are taking those unstructured sources and they turn it into structured data. Okay? That's so for magic. That's, that's some magic. That's magic that's, number one. Layer, layer number one, right? That's the, that's the magic layer number one. And converting that's it into something that is more usable? We are converting it into data that a model can ingest, right? So for example, number of your roof facets, Lee, you living on, your, on the Florida coast, is a very important driver for severity for wind-related damage. Yeah. If you look at if you look at an image, you can count how many roof facets there are, but we teach the computer the algorithm to do that task. And basically the output of that is a lot of structured data inputs mm. from an image or multiple images. Mm -hmm. Lee, you, you have a question? I guess with that, I'm just thinking all of this data is coming so fast. How do you know to match the building permit with the aerial imagery with the IoT data to say that's my house? Yeah, so that's where geocoding comes into okay uh, into question, right? Got it. Got it. Right. And right. Being able to ingest something that I have not yet mentioned. Being able to ingest all the parcels that are out there. So we have providers that provide us parcel data information. So you give us an address, let's say your home address. We can match that to a geocode and we can match that to a building parcel with 98 plus percent accuracy. Wow. And once we know, once we know the parcel, basically outline a parcel around your property, then we can use those models that I mentioned, image recognition models to pick up what's on that parcel. Is that a main structure? Is it a secondary structure? Is there a gable roof? Is there a hip roof? Is there a, a pool on that structure? Is that vegetation? So that's when we start running our crawlers or image recognition models. And basically we extract all that property specific risk and value data that is associated with your geocode. Wow. Right? So there's one geocode around that geocode. There are one or multiple parcels. Imagine like a campus location, like a university uh -huh. that can have five different addresses, 15 different parcels, right? And 35 different buildings. So imagine the computational logic that it requires to basically make sure that you're matching the right data with the right structure, but that's part of the magic here. So that's the second layer. 
That's the second layer. And the third layer of this wedding cake is basically the predictive models. Okay. So let me give you an example on this. Like, for example, one of our leading models is called Z-Fire, yeah. which is a wildfire risk analytics model. And why does it matter? It matters because, you know, wildfire risk before 2017 used to be like a single digit billion dollar loss driver for the U.S. property and casualty uh, industry. And post 2017, it suddenly became 10, 15, 20 billion dollar type of events. There were there were multiple events that were close to 10 billion, single events that were close to $10 billion of losses. So that's the reason why we thought, and we can come get back to this, we, we thought it would make sense to use this very fine level, property level data about vegetation, about roof material, about uh, neighborhood density, about slope of different parcels, about topography. And it would be, it would be really good to contrast that with historical losses, right? So in that top layer of that wedding cake, we are building a model, a predictive model that makes a prediction based on historical loss data and then layer one and layer two of that wedding cake, right? If we know historical losses from 1,500 wildfires, which, which we have harvested, which is, I would argue, the largest loss database out there for this peril, and if we know all those things from layer one and layer two of the of the wedding cake, right? We know uh, the slope. We know, as I mentioned, neighborhood density, building material, vegetation density in multiple defensible zones. Then we can learn from history, and we can see how we can predict that 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 historical information into the future, and how we can predict frequency and severity of these events. So the, the final layer is the predictive models. So you're creating something that can think about all these things at once and ingest all these things at once and then spit out what and tell you what? What we are telling our customers is two things. What is the annualized probability of an address to fall within a catastrophe zone, within a wildfire perimeter or a hail SWAT so what is the annualized probability? In some cases, the frequency is also, what is the expected probability of getting a claim on this, right. uh, on this, right? So that's the frequency. Again, depending on the model, we have a lot of models. Some says, what is the inclusion probability? What is the, what is the claim probability? So that's the frequency side. And then if you are included or if you are getting the claim, what is the severity? How much damage? should you expect. So why is this important? Because with these two probabilities, an insurance carrier can say, okay, I am willing to take this risk here, but I'm not willing to take it there. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm taking that risk, so if I'm underwriting it, these probabilities are basically a pricing driver for them. Because based on this, they can rest assured that they are fairly pricing every single risk based on the actual probability of loss on that address. And why is this important? Because as you guys know, insurance companies are making their return based on discriminating bad risk from good risk, right? Mm -hmm. Bad risk, 
they need to price higher or not mm-hmm. take. Right. Good risk. They want on their books. Good risk meaning less expected claims, right? They want those on their books. Bad risk, they want to push that away. And basically, that's when adverse selection happens when somebody is using a model that is not discriminating very well. Let's say a traditional model that has been out there for 20, 30 years. By the way, this is the reality. Some of the models that we are up against are 20, 30 year old models. So if you're a carrier who are using a model that is using this type of advanced technology and segments risk better than your competition, then you are getting an unfair advantage. So years ago, people would would build houses. And I, I mean, I have friends who are building houses and the last thing they think about is insurance, right? The house is, is going like, okay, it's time to get insurance. Using these models in my head, I'm seeing a day where you take the address and the plans for the home and say, if you do all these things, you'll be in a, a group of risk and you'll have your pick of the market. But yet there could be a time where you say, if you build that home, you might not get insurance or it's just going to be astronomically high. Is that a real thing that could happen? This is already a reality in Florida and California. Right. 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 Coastal markets are in an insurance crisis in Florida Mm -hmm. because of hurricanes in California because of wildfires. And those are the two one of the two largest markets in the world. By the way, California, California, I think it's the world's fourth or fifth largest insurance market. If it was a standalone country. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the number one property and casualty insurance market in the United States. And Florida, I mean, is 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 not too far behind it. And because of those two perils, there is today an insurance crisis. What does that mean? A lot of carriers are being extremely careful in terms of how much risk they write. Um, The insurers of last resort, so citizens on the East Coast in Florida, California Fair Plan on the West Coast are swelling up because there are a lot of people, a lot of um, um, families who cannot find insurance and also business who cannot find insurance Mm -hmm. They have to go to the insurer of last resort. So, and insurance rates are going up, but insurance rates cannot go up that fast because as you guys know, insurance is a regulated business. Right. So using this type of precision models helps a couple of things. Number one is what you said, Mr. Boyd, if you are going to take, if you're going to undertake this three mitigation, uh, uh, options, which we can tell you exactly what we see that 67% of your roof is covered by dry vegetation. We see that you might not have a class A roof because you have a wood shake roof. We see that in the primary defensible zone around your property in five foot zone, you have 80% vegetation cover. Mr. Boyd, you will not get insurance or if you get insurance, it's going to be astronomically priced. You have to address those things. And then your insurance is going to be why mm-hmm. I see happening already today. The California sure. of insurance has already required as part of regulation that turned into, into law that insurance carriers have to disclose mitigation options. I see. Zesty AI could also be used for insureds to find reasons to insure a home in a, in an area that you might think somebody wouldn't. 
you might be able to use Zessie AI to say, yes, this house is in California, but it has all the good standards. It's a good risk. Yes, it's a risk, but it's a good risk compared to others. So it could also be used to help somebody get insurance, I, I and, guess. Is that right? And that's where, you know, that's what gets many of the Zesties. We call the people yeah. um, who work for our company Zesties. Uh, that's what the social mission is what gets many of the Zesties excited, you know, besides just tinkering with cutting edge technology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is an example to, to what you, what you were asking Lee farmers insurance is one of our great customers, a longstanding customer and farmers insurance is domiciled in the state of California. They are the right. second largest insurance carrier in, um, in California, also in the West Coast. And they've had challenges with, with wildfire risk. And about a year, year and a half ago, uh, Farmers Insurance uh, said in a Wall Street Journal article, you know, thanks to the partnership with SDAI, now we have more confidence to write business in our state of California. And they have uh, written tens of thousands of properties that they would have otherwise not written. So basically, That's what they did, they opened up the market mm-hmm. as opposed to closing it down. And and they used as, as as you mentioned, this is a precision tool, right? To find good risk, but also to explain to the agents and explain to the insured, you know, what needs to get done in order for a property to to, to become insurable, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot here. What what you're just talking about now, <clears throat> the um, the the precision. Like um, I live in Sacramento, not far from Paradise, California. A tragic scene of a hor- horrific, tragic wildfire event. But I'm willing to guess that um, there's. There are risks if you drill down far enough. There are risks in and around that area <clears throat> that an insurance company might want to accept, that they might want to write. Whereas there were clearly many that were um, that were in the you know in the path, and so the precision has to be um, what what really matters. I, I, I'm thinking in the old days of underwriting, and I don't know, I've never worked in underwriting or been an underwriter. It, it probably went by zip codes. No, we don't want anything in that zip code. Right. right? Which, which is an easy de- demarcation, right? But today there's probably places inside that zip code that you can use, that you can do and not. Is that And that's one of the things your tool enables, correct? Absolutely. Street Absolutely. by property by property. Property by property. Not and even even structure by structure, right? If uh-huh. on one parcel you have multiple structures, right? And yes. one happens to be, you know, more susceptible to risk than the other, we can even differentiate between structures on the same property. Mm-hmm. And that's the future. So just to paint a contrast, right? In the past, risk selection, as you astutely mentioned has been broad brush, right? Regions, east of I-95 in Florida, or this zip code, that zip code in California. It it was based on very simple statistical regression algorithms, right? A times B plus C equals D. 
right? Mm -hmm. Not, so many of the models are as simple like that. They use very limited factors, right? They use maybe, you know, in a, in a wildfire case, they used uh, only slope and they used access, you know, firefighter access, right? Uh, and they used maybe fuel source from a very um, low resolution image, right? Not today. Image resolution that we are using is 10,000 times better. Right. It's, we're not mm -hmm. talking here factor of two or factor of three improvement, 10,000 times better resolution of that imagery. So we can get surgical. And with the advent of machine learning, everything that I, I told you guys about that wedding cake structure, right? We just want more data in there, right? We don't want to limit it at three um, uh, variables. Right. The more, the merrier, right? I, we are really. You know, we are in love with data, right? I um, I always tell uh, to my to my team the f the famous uh, Edwards Deming quote, right? In God we trust. Everybody else bring data. The more the merrier. <laughs> and, like that. and that's amazing about these models, guys. That these models are ingesting unlimited amount of data, right? And we don't have to tell them, hey just do A times B plus C. We don't have to set that because the model learns. It's a self-learning algorithm. So the model comes up with the right, uh, right answer based on large amounts of, of lost data. So is that to say that it's better today than it was two years ago? Absolutely. It's learning. It's learning with every single event and it never stops learning, right? Two years ago, we had 1,200 wildfire events uh, in the model. Unfortunately, there Unfortunately. were more. So we had 300 events in the past two years or so. And we are constantly crawling those events from satellites, from low-flying aircraft, from the weather stations, right? And with every single new addition, right, we are getting better and better uh, with our predictions. How does it take into account climate change? Whenever we see climate change and we hear about it, we've been to multiple conferences this year. Everybody has a session on climate change. Storms are bigger. Everything's going on. Is it taking into account, I assume, the increase? Or do you have to say, hey, climate change is here. You need to look at these other factors. Or do we just use it and let it grow with the data? Very good question. And this is something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, our guiding principle on this, Lee, is that since this is primarily an underwriting and rating solution, uh, our customers primarily care about the next eight years or so. And why? Because the average life cycle of a U.S. homeowner's policy is about eight years on average, right? So while we take into consideration things like um, uh, precipitation, wind and wind direction, we are not making a prediction, you know, for 10,000 years into the right. future or Long five years into the future, right? That's more of a very, that's more of a reinsurance, you know, understanding PML, potential maximum loss type of simulation analysis. For here, we are really focused on, you know, <clears throat> I'm insurance carrier A and I want to take Rob as a customer. I really want to know for the next eight years, right? 
what to expect in frequency and what to expect in severity based on this. And I know that I'm going to be in touch with Rob because I'm going to renew his policy every single year. And I will learn new things. I will learn about his vegetation growth. I will learn about things that he has made, uh, mitigation things that he has undertaken. So the, the idea here that before every renewal, we readjust that score based on the new information that we have learned. And we have that candid conversation with Rob. Hey, Rob, your risk has increased or you know, your risk has decreased. These are the things that you have done that have been effective. In, 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 in decreasing that risk. These are things that you need to do. So I want to ask you about your ambitions as much as you can speak about them uh, at, at Zesty. I would think that when you go call on a carrier, that it that naturally has moved towards the underwriting side of the business because of the insights that you can give, like we've been talking about. Is that correct that traditionally or... If, if I can use that word with an eight-year-old company, uh, that traditionally you've been an underwriting solution or part of an underwriting solution. Is that where you live for carriers or is it bigger than that? Our entry point is usually underwriting. And then the next step from underwriting is rating. As you know, getting into the rate rating framework, rate structures of a carrier, it takes regulatory approval. It takes a lot of IT integration work. So usually that comes after uh, the underwriting use case. And then also we have been uh, we have been part of reinsurance use cases, but, but where basically they use our tools for a portfolio risk analysis. So those are the three use cases. We have done, again, inspection optimization, which I would put also under the underwriting uh, use case as well. And so on your website, you talk about claims. We, we come from the claims side. How does Zesty get involved with claims? Zesty's involvement in claims. So first of all, claims success starts with prudent underwriting. Right. Amen. Hundred percent. Amen. Connecting underwriting to claims is the number one uh, opportunity that any of our customers have. And how do we get involved? There is basically we learn from lost data, and we we feed that back into the underwriting models. In some cases, that's our own. Proper uh, on uh, proprietary loss data that we have acquired from aerial imagery, from roofing contractors, from third-party sources, and in some cases, insurance carriers do share loss data with us, so we can help to make that link very uh, explicit. So that's number one. Number two is po post-cat response. So an event uh, happens. How can you help claims? with, first of all, a very quick and rough loss assessment. And then how can you get more granular over time to help claims triaging, right? These are the properties that are probably just, you know, small claims below a deductible. deductible. Mm -hmm. Below deductible, don't worry about this. These are the properties where the roof have been blown off. These are the properties that, you know, are full loss after a wildfire versus a smoke claim after a wildfire. 
all that thing you can help with models. So with models, which is the expected loss. And the second one, unleashing the exact same crawlers that I told you, the, the image recognition models, you know, wedding cake layer two, unleashing those on post-cat imagery and mm -hmm. telling exactly the extent of loss so that claims department can use that as, uh, as an input into their triaging is where we where our customers see a lot of value. Mm -hmm. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about a, a little more specifically, if I can use that word, about AI. Um, we're recording this at just uh, in the shadow of the big news about chat GPT and, and what they've been able to achieve and um, what they're doing in search. And I think Lee, Lee wrote a Valentine for his wife on using chat GPT and, um, and, it, was, and, and it was beautiful. It's true. It was, I, I gave credit to chat GPT though. Good. Or so he tells us. I um, hope, I hope you, you got some flowers as well. Of course, of <laughs> course, of course. And chocolate. Um, in fact, when, when chat GPT can make the flowers and the chocolate, then I'll be really impressed. But yeah. in the AI world that you, I mean, you live in it, right? You work in it every day. There must be an AI community. You guys probably knew, knew, knew about this and knew it was coming. Talk to us a little about being in that community about why is AI so important to the future of insurance technology? We are living during very, very exciting times, right? Artificial intelligence is revolutionizing every field of work and life. Whether the way you entertain, the way you travel, um, you know, the, the way you find cures to pandemics and, and diseases, and also the way you underwrite risk. I very much liken this moment to the early to mid nineties when I landed in the United States as an immigrant from uh, uh, Central Europe. And I heard about this thing, the internet, right? And I remember going into the computer lab of, of my university with my broken English and asking, somebody can show me internet, right? <laughs> and. I knew very little about how internet, like, you know, fast forward 25 years, 30 years, and internet has revolutionized everything. The way we interact, the way we work, the way we do this podcast, the way we sell, the, you know, the everything. way we entertain, everything has been revolutionized by internet, by the internet. And we are living the exact same moment in time, I feel, with artificial intelligence. Wow. This time I'm a little bit more prepared, right? I've spent the past, uh, all close to past decade, learning about artificial intelligence, learning about the algorithms, learning about the data sources. We spent um, the past six, seven years building this company. And I believe that we are only scratching the surface of what's possible, right? And in insurance, insurance is a model run enterprise by design. Right, everything is based on models. Inspection model, um, you know, unconstrained model, regulatory model, rating model, underwriting model, marketing targeting model. Everything is run by models. 
what AI is going to do to this model run enterprise is just going to put every single one of those models on steroids. Mm. So there is going to be more data, you know, wedding cake layer one, a yeah. lot more data that we can get our hands on. Wedding cake layer two, better algorithms that extract the useful information from the data. Wedding cake level three, better predictive algorithms for everything that we do that will capture billions of dollars. So from, a, from an ROI perspective, this is the new industrial revolution. Wherever we look, we see billions of dollars worth of value that this technology can create. And it's not as just not as simple as like, hey, you don't need to go for, to inspect. Absolutely right. not. It's right. rethinking the core of insurance, right? How can I mitigate? How can I provide, you know, reason codes of why something can go wrong? And how can I align that with the homeowner? How can I align that with claims? How can I align that with capital allocation on the back end with reinsurance? So it's going to completely revolutionize this industry. I mean, you just took it to a whole nother place, right? Whenever you compare it to the start of the internet to say that we're at that place now, I, I guess my mind is just exploding with all the ways, you know, I look at AI and I think it, it allows us to do so much, so much quicker with so few resources. You're able to dive through the data but at the same time, I keep thinking, is is there data we're missing? And I want to go back to Zesty and I want to go back to, is there data you wish you had that you could be better at what you do? And I keep going to this IoT, I keep writing it yes. down, IoT devices. Is there something that that's working that you wish you had more of? Or is there something that you wish could be created that you could get? What are you missing? IoT is where I would have started as well, answering this question. I would love to get sensor data, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to get flood sensor data. I would love to get uh, real-time feed from security cameras that um, uh, computer vision models can analyze. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to get, instead of, instead of getting uh, uh, weather data from local weather stations, right? That are, you know, uh, a few in every town. I would love to get weather data from everybody's rooftop, right? Yeah. Cheap yeah. weather sensor, a very cheap weather sensor. You could, you could accomplish that, right? So I believe there is going to be an explosion of data, especially when it comes to IOT, when it comes to weather data that, you know, camera data, just think about um, the advent of self-driving cars, right? Now I get a lot of data from satellites and from low-flying aircraft, right? Imagine when self-driving cars are gonna capture data of properties, property condition from the street level as well. <laughs> right. Right? Wow, that, that, that's stunning. That's a stunning thought. Because then the, the manufacturer, conceivably, the manufacturer of a self-driving car could possess and sell that data Absolutely. Right. As a, as a, as a secondary revenue source to selling the vehicle, or maybe, maybe they give the vehicle away, if you will. So, you know, I mean, that, that's remarkable, but you're right. I mean, if you have the ability to ingest imagery and create it and, and turn it into the, into uh, usable data, sky's the limit. 
sky's the limit. And again, I always say this, right? This is not, the real value here is not about replacing humans, right? It's not about don't do inspections or, you know, I need, I need a few less underwriters. The real value here is gaining risk insights that have a crazy multiplier. I'm, let me tell you what, what I mean by crazy multiplier, right? Maybe a drive-by inspection costs 20 bucks, right? right. Or, or, or if you have high density, maybe even, maybe even less, right? Contrast that with saving a property with an average TIV, a total insured value of $750,000 mm-hmm. from growing up in flames. In flames mm-hmm. right. right. So the, 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 it's not about just, you know, replacing the humans. This is about thinking about risk in a very different way. Thinking about capital allocation, reinsurance. And that's why I make this point you know, I, I want to make sure I make this point very clearly. Tying property-specific risk insights to, to an underwriting decision, to a rating decision, and tying that back to both claims and reinsurance is the full loop. Because yeah. then you are closing the loop with capital allocation and you're getting value in your reinsurance contracts and your reinsurance treaties for being prudent in underwriting and in rating. It's fantastic. It, you're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars of more efficiently deployed capital, more efficiently captured capital. I mean, just just pricing accurately is a multi-billion dollar savings in both directions, right? It, it, not only in premium, but in loss cost. Agreed, absolutely agreed. So dollar-wise, big. Access to insurance-wise, I think, it's very big as well. You guys know the protection gap, right? Like uh, sure. out of the uh, two and a, almost two and a half trillion dollars of uh, losses, catastrophic losses over the past decade, about half is uninsured, right? Right, right. So if you have better models, if you have better data, then of course insurance carriers are gonna increase access to insurance products as well. And there are going to be more creative products like parametric products, other other type of products. So here, basically, better information, right? Better models are not just going to drive savings, right? They're going to drive also better access to, to insurance and they are going to shrink the protection gap. First of all, thank you so much for your time today. I mean, it's right. this is fabulous. And, and, and obviously, we could just keep going and going and going. Oh, and yeah. Going. I this think I have a hundred so more questions. This is so deep, right? And we're just, we're a couple of yo-yos scratching the surface here to make ourselves feel good. But um, I, but I want to ask you a little bit about your background because it's it's very interesting. Like you said, you're Hungarian by birth, correct? Yeah. And, and we share that. We're cousins in Hungarian background. But you came to the United States. You, you had a, a terrific opportunity. You became educated. You've traveled. Uh, spend time in other countries, which I'm sure has been a fabulous, wonderful experience and education for you. And you came back and you spent some time at C3AI. And I think that was really important for you because you came out of a strategy background. You you, you worked as a strategist for uh, EY for a long time. Yep. Such a cool job. Boy, 
that ship has far sailed for me, but what a cool thing to work in strategy. And then you went to C3AI. That must have been like, oh my gosh. Was that an oh my gosh moment for you? Share some about that if you could. So C3AI is a leading enterprise AI company led by Silicon Valley entrepreneur, Tom Siebel. Tom Siebel, early employee of Oracle, founder of uh, Siebel Systems that he sold to Oracle, uh, founder of C3AI, you know, uh, a public enterprise AI pioneer. I credit Tom, Tom Siebel, with opening my eyes to what's possible with artificial intelligence. You know, when I when I joined C3AI, I um, <clears throat> I was very excited by the technology, but I did not know about the immense potential. And the time that I spent there selling artificial AI solutions at, in a very early inning, right? The first inning of AI, when we went to large corporations, um, large utilities, and we explained them that this AI revolution is coming. This was 20, 20, late 2013, 2014 uh, timeframe. Being able to get in at the first floor and learning how to build those algorithms, learning how to sell, how to market those algorithms, how to explain the value. I learned a ton there. So I'm very, very thankful to Tom Siebel and, and C3AI for, that, for those learnings. I would not be able to do this, what I'm doing today with my co-founder, Kumar Dwur, who comes from a risk background. So that's also a very important aspect of who we are. We married AI with a risk analytics background. Kumar Dwur, my co-founder, brings a risk analytics background from Capital One, right? So bringing those components together, and also a lot of luck and timing, to be honest with you, has helped us to get to, to the place where we are today. Better to be wow. lucky than good, right? I mean, I also want to shout out John Borrega, who's who's with you, known John for many years, tremendous in, I, we knew him from mostly from the claim side with Symbility for years, but um, you have a team that's selling into a tough market. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> you talk about Missouri being the show me state, insurance is the show me industry, right? And they're slow to move, slow to adopt. And you're talking about outer space stuff, right? Like we bring them, hey, you have a claim. We can help you do the claim because we do an inspection. It's all very easy to understand. It's already in the workflow. But you're bringing them something from outer space. That must be quite a challenge. So first of all, yes, you're right. Insurance is a very deliberate industry, right? They, Good word. they don't buy, they don't buy on the spur of the moment. At the same time, if you're looking at the Fortune 500 companies from the year 2000, half of them have gone extinct. Less than 50 of the original Fortune 500s from the mid 50s or early 60s are still around. Mm. So while for insurance, this AI thing and this innovation, you know, was a nice to have five years ago. I mean, some of the, you know, some of the insurance, some of the insure techs used to joke like, hey, this is an insure tech petting zoo, right? Um, <laughs> it has changed drastically over the past two, three years. 
because this is becoming a necessity. And the early adopters who have jumped on this bandwagon with Zesty or with somebody else, right? Uh They are already seeing business value. So that's what's a, a huge difference from the early innovation years to now that now they have started to book dollars to the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And that's when I've seen this thing take off at C3 as well. Once the CFO says, aha, uh-huh, this is not just a voodoo technology, right? This is avoided losses. This is better rates. This is um, better reinsurance rates to me. It's money that in our pocket. It's problem. money to the bottom line. Exactly. And, and yes, we have uh, experienced um, a team, uh, sales team uh, or commercial team that have been have been at this for quite some time. They understand the customers. They understand customer needs. And you know where we have come a long way is that we don't sell technology. We don't come in and we say we want to sell you AI. We sell business value. We translate the technology into the key drivers in the CFO's PNL so that in simple terms, we can explain how that's going to impact the business. And that's when the breakthrough happens. These are the things we learn with time. We will thank you for <laughs> burning an hour of your precious time. It was um, an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, amazing. Now I know why Astrid recommended you. This is exactly why. Thank Next you so level. much. Thank you for not only sharing about your leading company, but also about about the industry and what's going on and 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 what you what you guys are doing and what you're seeing. And we we'd love to have you come back because I imagine as far as things have come, they're even going faster. So sometimes we have people on, we say, hey, can we have you back on in a couple of years? But I think that in your business, we could have you back on in six months. But uh, we'll give you a pass till 2024. How's that? I look forward to it. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. I'm happy to come back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I have two words for that. What are those two words? Wow. Okay. And wow. Double wow. Double wow. Uh, I, I agree. Just... I, I knew about Zesty AI. I had done my homework. What I wasn't prepared for is the passion that that, that came along with the interview. Loved that. Loved the Loved passion that. and the vision. And just seems like a person that a team would get behind and and work really, really hard. And and I love the mission, not just about providing data, but helping people get insured, helping people protect their homes. More than more than you just think about, oh, we can give you a score and a rating. That's how do we help? I love that mission. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. And um, to be working in an area like he explained that, you know, it's comparable to the to the beginning of the Internet. Right. 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 Think how thrilling that is. And so to get an hour of somebody's time like that. Hour and a half. Amazing. Yeah. And see, that's why you should listen to FNO and SureTech. That's right. You get to listen to the smartest of the smart. Right? Because we get we get an hour of people's time who you can't get an hour of people's time with. So we can't thank Attila enough and Lindsay and all the Zesties who helped make this happen. Thank you to our 
intrepid production staff, Alicia and Al. And thank you most especially for being here and uh, letting us spend a little time with you. And so until next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>